How do you demonstrate that you're a person of integrity? We've got the answer to that and so much more on this episode of The Inside BS Show. Hey now, I'm Dave Lorenzo. I'm the godfather of growth and I'm here with my partner, Nikki G. Hey, Nicola, how are you? Hey, Dave. Fantastic. How you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. So today we're talking about the foundation of my relationship operating system. That is integrity. It's at the bottom of the hierarchy. If you're not familiar, I've created a hierarchy, which I call my relationship operating system. I'm traveling all over the country, presenting this to business owners, CEOs, people who invest in businesses, and I'm sharing with them how they can leverage these core values in order to develop deep relationships with the people who are most important to them in their business. We focus on, as Dan Sullivan likes to say, the who and not the how. So if you have key drivers in your business that you want to improve, you need to focus on employing leverage, which we just did a show on, and the best leverage you can get is through people. So finding the who that can help you get to where you want to go is critical, it's essential. And the first step in that process is demonstrating you're a person of integrity. So today, Nicole and I are going to talk about how you can demonstrate that you're a person of integrity. So the first way you can demonstrate that you're a person of integrity is by having what I call an external orientation. This means giving three times as much as you expect to receive. So if you want referrals from somebody, you gotta give three referrals before you expect to receive a referral. If you want someone to help you, you've gotta help them three times before you expect them to help you back. If you want good things to come to you, you've gotta do three times as many good things out in the world. I mean, this is, taking the famous rule of three to a new extreme, but it's a great way to think about that. Having an external orientation, focusing on being a person who helps other people and doing it first is the best way, in my opinion, to demonstrate that you're a person of integrity. So you need an example. If I wanted to uh, get into a company and I knew that there were three people in the company who were decision makers who could potentially bring me in for a conversation about how I could help them, what I would do is I would find a way to get in front of them and meet with them and ask them what their goals were. And then I would find a way to help them achieve their goals or take steps toward achieving their goals, even if it was irrelevant to what I did. I would connect them with someone, I would bring them to an event, making introductions, passing referrals, putting them in positions to be successful, over and over again until eventually they said, you're such a great person, if there's ever anything I can do for you, please let me know, and then I would say yes, as a matter of fact, there is. External orientation, for me, that's the number one way to demonstrate that I'm a person of integrity. Nicola, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's that's up there as number one for me as well. It's thinking about others before yourself. And look, you can you can say you have integrity all day long, but you need to demonstrate it. That's going to be far more powerful for you than saying and trying to describe the person that you are. It's what are you doing when you're out there and you are facing when you're out there and you're meeting with other people and you're speaking with them. 
what you're demonstrating is far more powerful than what you're saying you're able to do. So think about that when you are connecting with individuals, what value are you providing to them? That's the message that you're going to convey. Other people will have the perception that you are a person of integrity because you're thinking about others and because you are making sure you're adding value to them before you're asking for the things that you want to get out of those relationships. Okay, give us number two, Nicola, what's on your list? Number two for me is follow through. So continuing something to its conclusion. This is important in so many aspects of your life. If you say you are going to do something, you better believe you've got to do it or the person on the receiving end of that is going to think that you have low integrity. And I see this fairly often. So like, think about it, look, think about it this way. You've ever played a sport before? You've played tennis, you've played football. What does every coach tell you? It's about follow through. Yes, you've got to have the mechanics, but you have to follow through after the point where you make contact with the ball or after you release the ball. Otherwise, you're not going to get a great swing. So think about that in the professional setting. It's about making sure that you are carrying something to its conclusion. So I've seen, I'll give you an example. I've seen this in organizations before and not just once. I've seen this a few times. So you, you're part of an organization, you get a seat on the committee, and the committee has a task, and that task is going to be to accomplish some sort of aspect of um, the organization's goals. And you've got a group of people who are working together, and there's someone who says, absolutely, I'm gonna be here every day, I'll be able to make all these things happen, and they've got their list, you've divided up the activities, and something happens between then and the midway point, and that person bails out, and everyone else has to pick up that work. That is an example of where you're losing someone because they told you that they were able to do it, they were able to make the commitment. And when they don't, that is certainly going to be a reflection of the integrity of that person. Because you took them for their word, as you should have. They said, I can do this, I'm going to be committed with you. And when you are on the, the other end of that with a group of individuals, of course you're going to think, like, you know, what does that mean for this person in a business setting? Like, here we are as professionals in an organization where we are all committed to this organization's goals and they weren't able to cut it. You know, regardless of things that may come up, that's a big commitment. So what does that say that you're doing in your personal, in your personal life? And you don't want to be working with someone where they say, I'll take that project on for you. I'll get it done for you in a month. I'll do a great job. You hire them. And all of a sudden they've dropped the ball. Or now it's going to be two months or three months. And that matters. The commitments that you are stating you can make matter. And that reflects on who you are as a professional. I think you're spot on with that. Follow through is critical. Number three... And for me, this is one of the ways that I do it in speeches, in interpersonal relationships, and that's by being transparent. Think of it this way. In sales, or sometimes in speaking, we call it making a damaging admission. I did this the other night. I don't know if any of you out there have listened to the Saturday Side Hustle from this past Saturday. As this show comes out, it would be this past Saturday. So I think this was show show seven, Saturday Side Hustle number seven. I was in I was doing a speaking engagement in Skokie, Illinois, which is outside of Chicago, about a, about an hour outside of Chicago. And I told a story, and I prefaced the story by saying, "This is going to demonstrate my vulnerability. It's going to be transparent. It's going to be what we call in sales a damaging admission." And the story I told goes like this: Years ago, probably I want to say 2012, 2013. I did an event here in Miami, and I offered people the opportunity the day before the event and the day after the event to have one-on-one coaching sessions with me. And so the day before the event, I had a one-on-one session with a gentleman who's 
at that time, he was a client of mine for only five years. He happens to still be a client of mine, but he was a client of mine for only five years. And the next day at the event, there were some of my clients who were doing teaching parts. They were teaching some of the material. And this gentleman didn't get a teaching part. And he said to me, we're driving to dinner. And I'm already pissed because he's the only person in town. I got to take him to dinner. <laughs> so, and he, he, he didn't pay the going rate for that consulting day. He paid less, okay? He paid less. I'm not gonna get into why he paid less, but he paid less. So I'm pissed, I gotta take this guy to dinner, and he's paying less, which is my fault, because whose fault is it that the guy's paying less? It's not his fault he's paying less, it's my fault he's paying less. So we're driving to dinner, and he says, Alicia's doing a teaching spot tomorrow. She's only been your client for two years. I've been a client for five years. Why didn't I get a teaching spot? And I turned to him and I said, because Alicia's paying a lot more than you. Oh, terrible. Absolutely terrible. What I did in that moment was crush the client experience for this guy. What I did in that moment was crush my relationship with him. Again, not his fault he was paying less than Alicia. My fault he's paying less than Alicia. I should have been better at that. I should have been a better person. I should have had a better answer. And over the years, I've made it up to this guy like tenfold. And he's not the kind of guy that lets things go easily, but he has let it go. That is something when you admit that you did something that bad, because that's pretty freaking bad to do to a client. When you admit that you did something, we've all had those moments. Admitting that you're human and that you made a mistake, you're relying on the grace of other people to go, wow, Dave did that, and I think he's a good guy, but he has the capability of being human and making terrible mistakes, just like I have the capability of making terrible mistakes. That's amazing that he would admit that. That shows me that he's a person of integrity. And, you know, it's painful to tell a story like that. It's terrible. It's a ter I did a terrible thing and I felt terrible afterwards. But telling people that story now elevates my credibility in their eyes as a person of integrity. Side note, after that talk, 46 people in the room got 30 business cards out of 46 people, of people who were interested in hearing more about what I was doing. Maybe they were seeing something in me that they saw in themselves because everybody makes mistakes. Everybody's a flawed human being. So the damaging admission, the vulnerability, that transparency, that's number three for me. Nicola, what do you think? Great, great point in our, in our set here because we all make mistakes. We are human, you know, especially, and this is coming from the legal perspective, like we're expected to be perfect, but guess what? People forget we're human. We do make mistakes. The best thing you can do is just admit when you've made a mistake and definitely have a plan for addressing it, but you have to admit it. I, and I've seen this in so many organizations I've worked with since the time I was young, this blame culture. You know, I'm just going to blame this mistake on somebody else. So it doesn't look like it's my fault. You know, that may win you some points in the meantime, in the long run, you destroy your integrity. Anyone else who's working around you, who you've pointed that blame on, and the others who saw you do it, your relationship with them is done because you, they, they now know you are a person with low integrity. It's not a great place to be. You're better off just admitting the stake because again, we all make them. So why try to 
distract from what, what happened or hide it worse, hide it. And then it can lead to far more problems than just admit it. If you ever want to get something from a customer service rep, here's a great turn of a phrase you can use. I got a big problem. I realize it's my problem and I need some help and I'm hoping that you can help me. The airline canceled my flight. I need some help. I got to get home tonight. My daughter has a volleyball game. I got to get home by four o'clock. I'm hoping you can help me. Would it be impossible for me to get on a flight that would get me home by four? Is there any way, again, you're going to say it three times, is there any way you can help me? How is this different from what everybody else does? Everybody else is like, your airline screwed up and you suck and I can't believe you're doing this to me. It's not the counter person that's doing this to you. What you're saying is you're, you're demonstrating that vulnerability and saying, I got a problem because you really do have a problem. The airline caused it, but now it's yours. You own it, right? <laughs> I got a problem. I got to get home. I need some help. You really do need that person to help you. <laughs> And I have yet to meet a person that will be beaten into offering you better service. <laughs> it is always better, always better to rely on someone's goodwill than to try and bully them. <laughs> Believe me from past experience. Okay, Nicola, what's number four? <laughs> Point number four is stick to your guns. So Dave and I both provide advice to a lot of business owners, CEOs. There are times where you have to give advice that they're not going to like, but you know the advice is good for the person on the other end and is the right advice to give. And when I face those circumstances, I am very deliberate about not compromising my position because I'm giving this advice because I know I have to and it's going to be good for you. And if I don't and I back off of it, then I know it's going to cause harm to them. Or at least I have a very good feeling it's going to, and that's why I'm giving that advice and I don't want to do it. And I've had this, and then you know, occasionally you get a personality where someone really wants to push you. No, 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 I want to do this. You know, I, I, here's, and I say, I'll hear them out. Let's talk through it. Because I also want that person to really understand why I'm giving the advice I'm giving. So let's talk through it. Tell me what you think would be beneficial about it. Tell me what you're trying to gain out of this. So I ask those questions and take them along through the discussion until I can get them to understand why I'm giving this advice. And if we get to the end and they're still saying, I want to do this anyways, well, then I'm not the person to do this with. You cannot. The moment you compromise your position, what you're doing is compromising your integrity. You know something, you, you, you firmly believe in it, and that's why you've given that advice. And if you back off of it, now that person also knows, you know, this person, I can push them more and I could probably convince them to do other things. So you've compromised your own integrity by backing off your position. You've got to just stick with it, even if it's a really tough decision that that person has to make based upon the advice you're giving them. That's great. I think you're right about that, too. I completely agree with you. Number five, these are Dan Sullivan's referability habits. Dan Sullivan, founder of Strategic Coach, has said it better than I could. I'm going to share the referability habits with you and then Nicole and I will talk about them for a little bit. Referability habit number one, show up on time. Referability habit number two, do what you say you're going to do. Referability habit number three is say please and thank you. I can shorten it to saying just be polite, treat others, the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. My add-on to Dan Sullivan's three referability habits, number four, is don't talk smack about people who aren't in the room. In fact, I take it even further than that, and I say defend those 
who are not in the room. And then I add a fifth one too. And the fifth one is abandon the need to be right. Abandon the need to be right about the little things. You don't need to show people up. It's just not necessary to do that. So Nicole, you wanna talk a little bit about these showing up on time? I mean, how many times do we, how many times do we, do we hammer this home to the people that we work with? Oh, it's such a pet peeve for us. It's not that hard. Adjust your schedule. Make it happen. You know, especially when we have meetings that are, what, once a month, and we have folks who are continuously late, and we know they're going to arrive late. I mean, how, how often do we have to say this? Like, we're professionals here. And as you've heard us say before, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And if you're barely making our meeting on time or you're showing up late, what are you doing for your clients? Yep. I can't imagine you're completely adjusting who you are in a different space. I mean, this is in front of a huge group of yeah. professionals. And you can't show up for one meeting on time and P.S. they're by Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't even, all you, all you have to do there. is comb your hair and put on a shirt. That's all you got to do. It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. And like, look, and even, I don't care what time of day it is. You just get up earlier. You know, some of these meetings start at 7 a.m. I don't love that. But you know what? There were times I was taking those meetings to my office. I was getting up, you know, before five o'clock. So I could be sitting at my desk taking those meetings in my office because I didn't have like a good space to be doing it before now. You just got to make Nobody gets any sympathy from me about getting up in the morning. <laughs> Whatever. It, it is what it is. Get an alarm clock. That's all you need. <laughs> the example that I would have, would have used, and your, your example of a Zoom meeting is great, but the example that I would have used is you and I had a meeting with another professional who we were talking to about working with us, and I showed up a half hour early just because that's who I am. She showed up 20 minutes early. And you showed up five minutes early and we were all early for the meeting because all three of us respect one another and we all valued each other's time. I, that's just what we do. Show up on time, do what you say you're gonna do, we already covered, being polite. So for me, you know, Nicola, I love to do this. So I love to go out to breakfast or lunch with a prospect or with somebody that we're interviewing for a role in the business or we're interviewing to potentially be a client and see how they treat the wait staff in the restaurant see how they treat the person at the counter when you're when you're walking in somebody how they treat the person at the podium the host when you're when you're walking in see if they say thank you when the busser fills their glass with water see if they say thank you when the person clears their plate those little things really tell me a lot about who that person is. And I have found over the years, one of the great litmus tests, like I know I'm going to really get along with somebody when I go to the bathroom and I come back and I see them in a conversation with the server and they're talking about something that's going on in the server's life or in the server's world or what's going on in the restaurant, they engage the person. That to me, it's not disqualifying if they're checking their phone when I come back. It's not disqualifying if they're, they're reading something. I mean, it's just a bonus to me when I see people going out of the way to engage other people. But uh, baseline, saying please and thank you, being polite, saying please and thank you to the people who can have no impact on their lives whatsoever other than in that short little experience there, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal for me too. Um, it, it matters to me how you're treating other people, especially when you have no obligation to be meeting with them or you're not trying to impress them. Like basically, what are you doing when, when the lights are off and the camera's not on you? Like, who are you? 
And that's a window into who that person is when we see them interact with strangers. So I, I look at Hey, Nikki G, <laughs> Nikki G, you don't, you don't, Nikki G, you don't want to be around me when the lights are off. Are let you me the just, person me... that pushes the close button on the elevator? Because if you are, you better watch out. Um, <laughs> but it's true. Are you saying hello to the security guard in the morning? I am. Walking through the building and passing that person. I'm holding the elevator. Gosh, I've almost gotten my hand shut and doing it. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. All right. Then number four, defending those who are not in the room. This is so hard to do. Oh, my gosh. It is so hard to do. And I mean, some people make it a heavier lift than others. <laughs> and I fall down on this one. I don't I I confide in people that I trust, people like you. And I probably, you know, I probably talk a little smack to people that I trust a little bit. But to the general public. I try my best to defend those who are who are not in the room. It's a, it's it makes a statement when you do it. If somebody says something bad about someone else and you say no 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 that person isn't here, we don't do that. Let's move on. Talk about something else. It sends a message to everybody else that you have their back, that you would do it for them. This is one of those things where if I was going to work on anything, keeping my mouth shut for me is a big deal. So defending those who are not in the room, this would be one thing that I would definitely work on. But it's a big demonstration of integrity for sure. Yeah. Or just, you know, walk away from the discussion. Like you're at a lunch table. I've seen this in the years over over time with organizations. You know, there's... There's a group of people who are always talking about others. Like, just don't be part of it. If, if you're someone who you have a really hard time like, being the person who will speak out about it, then remove yourself from it if you have such a hard time. And, and I get that. Some people have a very hard time articulating that. And if that's you, then remove yourself from the discussion. Like, go eat lunch at a different time or just get up and walk away and, and come back. You know, you don't have to be part of that. And that's also a way you can demonstrate, I'm not going to be part of that. You, know, you don't want to be that person who is part of any group who's talking poorly about someone else in an organization or in your business. It's, it's, not, it's not helpful and it's harmful to the person that you are talking about. And it's also harmful because you're now part of that group of people who is associated with speaking about others when they're not there. You know, why, why hurt your own reputation? Don't, just don't do it. Yeah. And then the fifth and final one is... The fifth and final one is abandon the need to be right about the little things. Abandon the need to be right about the little things. Candidly, this is how you stay married. Just let it go. <laughs> you got to let it go. <laughs> if somebody says nuclear instead of nuclear, or if they say sword instead of sword, <laughs> just let it go. It's just not that important. If you do feel the overwhelming need to help them see the light on that small crap, okay, but do it in private where it's just the two of you, pull them aside, don't make a big deal, just mention it. If you have the strength of a friendship, they're going to immediately take the hint. Like I know anything that you ever tell me, if you say to say to me, don't say that anymore. I know that it's been like festering for like months, and you finally just said it. So I so I was like, oh, geez, I shouldn't have said that. That's I, so I will immediately stop. But let the small stuff go. Let the small stuff go. I I absolutely agree. You just it's it's really difficult sometimes for some people who just want to speak up and make that correction, but. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if somebody pronounces a word the wrong way or uses the wrong word. Just let it go. What, what, what are you really gaining out of that? It's embarrassing them when you even bring it up. 
just I don't see the value in it. I really don't. People make people make mistakes all the time, right? Including us. I've misspoken. And being called out for it, it just it doesn't put anyone in a good place. You're not helping them, you're not adding value by doing it. It's something you're doing for yourself. So absolutely let the little things go. You'll have happier and healthier relationships personally and professionally when you're not sweating all these small things and you know what speak up when it really matters because that's where you really deliver value in a relationship with someone else is when something really matters save it for those times and speak up about it i also think it dilutes kind of you know the your seriousness about a particular issue when you're speaking up about everything rather than focusing on the ones that really matter to you and really bringing it up and having that discussion then do you remember? Uh, oh my gosh! Do you remember the, the what did what did what did your husband call her a one upper? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were we went it was to so dinner. Bad. It was so bad. We went to dinner at somebody's house. My wife and I, Nicola and her husband, and another couple, and then uh, an individual was there. And <laughs> everything everybody said, she had done one thing better. It was incredible. Every Everything. single thing. It made it so <laughs> and tough. then And then do you remember the end of the night? The host is playing a guitar and singing a song, and she takes the guitar and sings a song. Oh, no. You're going to be kidding me. <laughs> that, was, that was tough for all of us involved because you can't, you can't say something either in front of a group of people like that. So we didn't. It was really bad. <laughs> it was really bad for all of us. <laughs> Good times. If you want to demonstrate that you're a person of integrity, these are the five tips. It was so great to cover them today. This is the foundation of the Relationship Operating System. Thank you for joining us. This is the Inside BS Show. If you want to be or continue to be a person of integrity, here's what you can do now. Take this show and share it with somebody else, especially if they're a one-upper. Send this to a one-upper near you. Somebody who needs a hint. Somebody who needs to know they gotta let it go. <laughs> We're here every day and we don't advertise. The only way the show grows is if you share it with other people. Thanks for joining us today. I am Dave Lorenzo, the godfather of growth, and she is... Nikki G. We'll see you back here again tomorrow, folks. Until then, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life. Even you one-uppers. <laughs> <laughs>